Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club July edition. This episode might be dropping early TBD. We will talk about it, but we are back. Hey, everyone, how are you doing, Becky? Let's start with you because it was Becky's month. Ooh, that it was. I'm doing great. I'm so excited about a potential early drop. Let's see, occasion. So we are recording this episode earlier than usual because we're all going away for July 4th weekend, which means the episode will be, you know, in the can by the Wednesday, like eight days before it's supposed to drop. And everyone's been reading the book. And why make them wait the eight days, especially since it's a long holiday weekend, like people will be reading. Why not listen to the podcast when you've read the book? There have been a few months where we have dropped a week late. And so why not a week early why not us showing up early so I do think I'm going to drop the episode on Thursday like in two like one week early and I think everyone will appreciate that now you have to we put it in writing crazy (laughs) yeah now and I said it on the toast today too so like it'd be weird if I didn't um so hi guys we're here a little bit early hope everyone is you know getting ready for July 4th weekend gonna have an amazing time gonna read a lot of books and start off by listening to this podcast episode gotta check in with my other girlies snatchler how are you I'm good how are you I'm good, thank you. Nobody ever asks how we are really you. really don't. I, I turn it back on you every single time. Right, because you don't want to answer the question because you're evading my questions because you don't want to talk to me about your personal life. Um, no one shared anything personal. Uh, someone was sharing something personal. Got a little date here and there. Snatchler. Oh. oh my God. I'm sorry. That's not because I don't want to share it with the people here. I don't want to share it with the people listening. No offense. <laughs> no offense. Okay. That's fine. We'll take the spotlight off of you. Thank you for opening up as much as you possibly could. Dana, how I are you? I am great. Josh has been in Norway all week. He is in between jobs. So I have been living the life of Riley in my solo apartment. I got a haircut. I went to the dentist this morning. Oh. D, I got a haircut oh my God, too. The haircut twins. And wow, you both look for a two and no, Dana. <laughs> yeah, I honestly told him to cut three and a half inches off. Like I, my hair must have been super duper long, and it was fortuitous because I go to the place directly next to me because that's how I book all of my reservations everywhere. Convenience, and it was their last day open before they moved to their flagship on Fifty Seventh and Sixth. Before they. <laughs> Were before they were condemned, but they're going to be right next to the studio where they're moving. So, Claudia, Jackie, if you want to replicate this magic, <laughs> I'm crying. Well, thanks for spoiling it, but we actually have a special guest on the episode today. Who knows how long she'll stay with us? Because you know she likes to Irish exit all the time. But Claudia is here. Claude, even though we all hear from you all the time, let me ask you. How are you doing? I'm so excited and like a little nervous to be on my first Redheads episode. Honestly, 
I've tried not to read since I finished this particular book, but like I finished the book on Sunday. Like what happened? I don't know how you guys don't finish the book the second before the podcast starts because I don't even remember. Claudia, well, we you've usually... literally been on an episode with us when we spoke about your book. No, but like to do it normally. She wrote that book. She didn't Bitch, have to of course I'm not going to forget what I wrote about my life. <laughs> okay, fine. Usually, that usually I spent a whole You guys, year. we are like two ships passing in every night. Like we, none of us have been able to track anything we've been talking about. Like, are we okay? Yeah, so Claudia, let me clear this up. Usually we literally all finish the book the morning of because we save it so that we it's so fresh. We were supposed to record two days ago, so we all started the book like two days earlier, and that's why we've had two days of lag time. But true to form, Snitch finished five minutes ago, so it is fresh for her. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of us, once we get into the questions, everything will start coming back to the surface and we'll start getting into the book. Yeah, also, I'm like just also a little nervous because – when I I love that you guys do Hollywood treatment. I think it's so funny and cool and smart. And sometimes I will really see a celebrity as the person, but most of the time it's just like blobs of features like in my head. There's not yes. human beings. So I don't know how much I have to contribute to that segment, but I do look forward to hearing everyone's thoughts. Yes. No, they are definitely blobs. And then when you start to think about it more and like you're tasked with doing the Hollywood treatment, like you figure someone out. Also, famousbirthdays.com, you just search the age actor and they give you a list of people. Oh, is that your pro tip, Jax? That's my pro tip. Like Marin's 35. I search 35-year-old actress. But see, for me, like they could give me a bunch of details on the person. Blonde, curvy, age. I'm like, "Mm, no, uh, Taylor Swift. Like I, the details they give mean nothing to me. That's Dana for you. So I think you'll feel really kinship towards Dana's choices. But now that we're all here, we need to talk about this month's book, which was Girls with Bright Futures by a writing duo, which was very interesting. And I feel like it um, influenced a lot of the storyline, which we will get into. But the writing duo is Tracy Dobmeyer and Wendy Katzman. So before we get into the book, I'm just going to do a quick summary of the book for anyone who either didn't read it or is like Claudia and already forgot about it. So this book follows the story of three moms at a very elite Seattle private school and their three daughters who are each trying to go to Stanford for very different reasons. They're in their senior year of college, first semester, early admission admission deadline is steadily approaching, and each girl is vying for Stanford. In the beginning of the book, we find out that there is only one spot left for Stanford because four of the student athletes took four of the spots for this school uh, and their slots allotted for Stanford. And also just made me realize, like, gotta be a student athlete. Moving on. The three different girls and their mothers are very, very different. First, we have probably our protagonist, who is Marin. She's a single mom. She's very young, 35, also pretty, good to know. She works for an HBIC who is giving like Sheryl Sandberg, Whitney, Wolf Herd vibes. Her name was Alicia Stone. So Marin is her personal assistant. Her right hand also just like does everything for her and is a doormat, but, you know, gets a lot of perks from the job and had a very hard past. We don't know what the past is until later in the book. But she feels very indebted to Alicia and does not want to rock the boat whatsoever. Alicia wants her underachieving daughter, Brooke, to go to Stanford for no reason whatsoever. Do they ever tell us why it's so important that she goes to Stanford? The only thing I could glean is that they she works for a tech startup and like Stanford's very techy. And so if Alicia can't get her daughter into Stanford, then she's not as big and powerful as she says she is. Did Alicia go to Stanford? 
No. I think she, no. Yeah, Alicia did, but her husband. Yes, she did. Her Jackie. husband didn't, so she wasn't yeah. double legacy like Chrissy. Like, right. Uh, Are you sure? Wow, look at me. <laughs> look, I, thought, I thought Alicia went to Michigan. No, her husband did. No, she no. couldn't go to the Michigan. Brother, yeah, her brother, brother yeah. go to Michigan, and then he died. PTSD. She couldn't even step foot. They didn't make that clear. I, yes, I don't they, they literally made it abundantly. Jackie, no, no, if, the I, whole if time, I understood it, it was clear. The whole time I was like waiting, I was like, so where did she go to college and why Stanford? Anyways, I guess Alicia potentially went to Stanford. Some people are saying there's rumors on the street. Sorry, she is really this part her- of the show where we don't talk? Yes, yes. Okay, but sorry. usually I don't yeah, get stuff up. wrong, so I did up. need to be corrected. I did need to be corrected. So Alicia really wants her daughter, Brooke, to go to Stanford. She will pay any amount. She will bribe anyone. This girl, Brooke, like really does not want to go to Stanford and also doesn't even want to pretend like she's trying or even any way eligible. She won't write her essays. You know, Alicia literally needs to bribe her with money. Range Rover's professor's writing her essays and still Brooke is not interested. Marin's daughter, Winnie, is just gifted. She is that girl. She's smartest in her class, comes natural to her, you know, an amazing thinker, an amazing writer. And it's always been her dream to go to Stanford because Alicia you know, was like a a parental figure to her and really, you know, got her jazzed about Stanford as she was growing up. So now she's all in on Stanford. And then we have the third mom, Kelly, who is in that job and her and her husband both went to Stanford. They also are um, trying really hard to get their daughter Chrissy into Stanford. And Chrissy is really like the number two to Winnie's number one. You know, there's always the second kid in the class who's just never going to be the first because she's just like not naturally gifted, but she does apply herself and work really hard, but not at the expense of her mental health, which is definitely suffering and her mom's not helping. So all three girls are, you know, throwing everything at the wall to try and get into Stanford and their parents are being helicopter parents. Then all of a sudden, a few weeks before early admissions deadline, Winnie gets uh, run off the road on her scooter by an SUV who hit and run and didn't even stop for her, which opens up a whole can of worms who would do something like this to Winnie. And along the way, there's multiple other storylines, including Alicia trying to ruin Winnie's chances of going to Stanford, finds out who her biological father is, even though Winnie's mother doesn't even know who that person is, goes, steals her DNA, finds Winnie's biological family, he sees that her half brother is has cancer and needs bone marrow, ignores his message, a million different things. By the end of it, everybody gets their just desserts. None of the girls get into Stanford except for another girl whose mom donated even more money than Alicia. And Alicia goes to prison and everyone lives happily ever after. So before we get into the DBQs, I need to know what did everyone think of this book? Bex, we're starting with you because it was a Becky's choice. You guys, this book rocked. It was yeah. Like- exactly what we needed at exactly the right moment it was a little bit long which is like if i had a grievance it would be length because as we know i'm slow as fuck so i thought it had kind of like everything that was modern and up and coming i love like the the tie to like the Lori laughlin olivia mm-hmm. of it all um so i thought it was like very like of the moment and i just thought that it was like I, I don't know. It just had everything that I was looking for right now when it comes to a book. So all in all, great takeaway. Like it wasn't like the most riveting, intellectually stimulating book I've ever read in my life. No, but like that's not what I'm looking for. It's summertime, ladies. Like, and gentlemen, let's enjoy. Yeah, agreed. Dana, what did you think? I really liked it too. Um, I thought the allure of the book was that like even though it was so hyperbolic and those bitches were crazy, I feel like it wasn't so far off from how mothers really do act around college season. So like as someone who's pretty far removed from that, it was really insightful to see what the world is like now because then we'll get into this later. But like personally, I don't think I felt as psychotic as all of these people did. 
agreed about the length mm-hmm. too long i found myself like having trouble keeping up with the characters like all the k names with the chrissy family like i can't even name her daughter to this day yes. oh my god it was like a really a struggle for me to like place everyone like who's diana i also was not interested in the like hit and run part of it like I feel like it was half thriller suspense half like insights Mm -hmm. into college admissions process and I really preferred the college admissions relationships part of it as opposed to like figuring out who done it like I was kind of bored by that yeah I agree with that Snatchler always you know the dissenter in the group what did you think I really liked it I agree about the length it was very long also keeping up with people's names like when we got to the part where it was like all the Facebook comments. I had no fucking idea yes, who yes. anyone was. I was like, what is going on? And then when like people were getting in, they were like, Tenley Taylor got in. I literally was like, who the fuck is Tenley Taylor? 100%. <laughs> um, so like that wasn't clear like at all. And you know, it's so crazy because I was like looking at the outline, like Olivia Jade and Lori Lachlan did not even cross my mind one time when reading this novel. Like, stop. Are you okay? Not for Do you have memory second. loss? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. This episode of The Redheads is brought to you by K-12. If you're looking for more control over your child's education, check out today's sponsor, K-12.com. K-12 helps you take charge with tuition-free online school that fits your life. Personalize your child's education to let them learn in their own ways at their own pace and using the tools and tech for their generation. Learning is flexible, interactive, and dare I say, fun. K12.com slash podcasts. You can explore curriculum and see success stories from some of the over 2 million families who've taken charge of their child's education. You too can help your child reach their full potential. Classes are taught by passionate state-certified teachers, and your child has a chance to develop social skills through field trips, clubs, and activities. K-12 has been helping families take control of their child's education for over 20 years. You can too. Take charge today at k12.com slash podcasts. Margo, on the the Goodreads, like, summary it says like college admission Lori Laughlin is the first sentence so if you didn't read that maybe not but for me it was right there I didn't read it I had no idea what this book was about until I started it do you want to know something it's that what they did actually they didn't have to do anything that happens in this book because she's one of the student athletes who got in before (laughs) admissions started and and now you can see why a lot of people probably took that path because it's like you're in, you don't have to worry about grades, you don't have to like do all this stuff. If you can get on as a student athlete, like you are in and you will take that spot from maybe someone who is like applying early admission. Yeah, that's true. Now, Claudia, our new f- redhead, what did you think about the book? I really liked it as well. I have to echo Rebecca, Rebecca and Dana's points about the length so lengthy and unnecessarily lengthy like I just felt like she was going into so much detail when we didn't need it like okay she signed up (laughs) she signed up Winnie for the DNA test kit we don't really need to know like she met a woman at a fair who runs for the company and then years later she followed up with her via email it was like so detail oriented just say she was doing DNA like I didn't feel like I needed all those details it was a little lengthy and there were so many characters but I really liked it I hadn't read a book like it and I really enjoyed it and something I really liked was the epilogue. I thought doing it in like the Facebook group comment section was like a really unique way to tie up the end of the book. I normally like find epilogues to either be like superfluous 
because we could have just, you know, inferred what happened or like they have to change it completely and like throw you through a loop. So I actually really like the way they tied it up. I enjoyed this book very much. I totally agree. I love the epilogue. I love the epilogue too. I always like an epilogue, especially in a book like this where it's like, well, what did happen to everyone? Like, were they right about wanting to go to Stanford or was that not the right fit for them? I liked this book so much. I was always excited to pick it back up. I feel like once I got to about 20%, it really cruised from there. And what I loved is like in one chapter, someone's going to like send a text message that's a big deal or something. And we don't have to like wait to hear what the person thinks about that thing. Then in the next chapter, it was like, well, I did this because I just heard about that. It was like moved very quickly. And it wasn't like, I'm going to call her and then you're going to see the next chapter about our phone call. It's like in the next chapter, she's decided to do something else because she just got new information about something like I liked how it moved even though technically it was kind of long I liked the ensemble cast I liked all the different parents parenting styles and the kids you know you can think of exactly who that kid was in that in your class or like Mm -hmm. even the fact that you know Alicia's daughter Brooke like not only was she not a candidate for Stanford she didn't even want to be going there and I feel like even though it was a very exaggerated depiction of the college admissions process, each individual thing that each parent did like does happen. A $30 million donation, which is like the craziest thing that happened, happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like even though altogether it was a bit exaggerated, it was pretty on the nose and it did make me nostalgic for those days. Like remember when you would get it, if you were early admissions, like, and you got in, like you made it your Facebook status, like yeah. it was like Colgate 2014. It's like, I don't need to say anything more. Like I'm a genius. You know, I just got in Colgate 2014. And then the guys, next day you wear the sweatshirt. Yeah. What is anyone like slightly offended that like in the Ivy plus mentions <laughs> Colgate was nowhere to be found? No. Colgate, is Colgate an Ivy plus? plus? It's up it's, to you. It's what they call a hidden Ivy. They call it a hidden Ivy. But when she said Ooh. like MIT is Ivy plus, I was like, okay, so Colgate is not MIT. Like I can yeah. know that. But like Middlebury way, was. All of these women would just like look down on every single one of us. Like we are yeah. nothing of the sort. We are useless losers but we're yeah, also for East our education. Coast. Like maybe if this book took place not on the West Coast, someone would know what Colgate was. No, but like. Yeah. I feel like they mentioned like East Columbia. Yeah. <laughs> they they knew what Brown was. Yeah. Also, I like that it took place in Seattle that's because I, I was feel like say. if it took place here, I would have been like, well, people from here don't go there or that school doesn't funnel into there. And like, because I know nothing about like Seattle, Palo Alto, like that whole world, I could just trust that these women knew what they were talking about. Yes. One of the reasons I really liked the book is because I love reading about rich people. Like it is my favorite pastime. And it was like a niche community of rich people. I know nothing about like the million and billionaires of Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I just love learning about new rich people that's exciting to me it's very thrilling you new know who my favorite character that was though who ted clark and I his scathing his of scathing course. emails to the parents i was like good for you i was like wow like you're not afraid i yeah. loved his emails if only that could actually exist there's no i know chance yeah. in hell that he would be so informal yeah like the board would fucking oust yeah. him yeah yeah, but he should have taken like disciplinary action sooner with some of these crazy. Yeah. When parents. he was like, the teachers are NFT. What was no? What was it? Fuck. Yeah, no. He, he was like, the EBA teachers are NTF, not the fuck. I don't no, know. It like, was, is something something tired? What was it? Yes, because oh, okay. all of us, all of oh. us teachers are RFT, really fucking tired. Yeah, or something. yeah. No, I thought it was SDT. So damn tired. Okay, sure. <laughs> we, we love we love an acronym. 
Yeah. We do. Um, I liked Ted Clark too. And I personally liked how him and Marin ended up together in the end. Because once I heard they went on a date once, I was like, okay, I love this yeah. for them. So let's get into the DBQs. I also love this book because it came with a reader's guide. And I didn't need to ask Dana <laughs> to make up the questions. <laughs> So our first question, when we enter the novel, Marin and Whitney are having a tough conversation with the EBA college counselor regarding the Stanford early admissions process. What do you glean from this conversation? How is this conversation different from how the other moms and their daughters learn about the Stanford news? What does this say about schools like EBA, their politics, and how they operate? Well, I just want to say quickly, I was actually surprised that they even had the same conversations with Alicia Stone. And why tell all three girls there's only one spot? Like, you just made it more competitive. I thought they were just saying it to Winnie so that she didn't take Alicia's spot. So I thought it was going to be one thing, but then it actually turned out to be relatively equal, except for the fact that it was like Ted Clark calling Alicia, which is obviously more respectful than hearing it from your guidance counselor. Yeah, but they came to that conclusion at the end of the book. Ted was like, I never should have told these morons about the spot because it created mm -hmm. all this drama. And if everyone thought that all their kids had an equal chance of getting in, literally Winnie would be fine. I had the same thought, yeah. Jackie. Like it was presented to us as, oh, they're disqualifying her because she's not as privileged, et cetera. But you're right. He said the similar message to all three of them with the hopes that like someone would add a safety school to their list just in case. And I didn't think it was as discriminatory as I was expecting it to be. But I yeah, think that's I because, like, Ted Clark liked Marin. But he's not the one who delivered the news. But, like, I just feel like everyone, like, liked them in that family. And, like, they, like, felt bad for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, like, the teachers liked them. And so even though they didn't, they couldn't, like, buy their privilege and the respect amongst the administrators, they earned it mm -hmm, because they sure. were just decent people. And Winnie was really that talented. I have a question for you guys. though: if you had like a dream school and you were told like there was only one spot and like the other people you're competing with, like have a lot of other advantages, would that make you back off of the school or push harder for Are you it? Saying Cause I would be like, we're Winnie. Yeah. Or okay. yeah. Like them. you say you really wanted to go to NYU and your college guidance counselor was like, there's one spot and like, it's not for you. No offense. Um, I would back would off. I would back off too. Like, yeah. why would I put myself through disappointment when I could just reset my sights on something that was actually attainable? But what if no? And <sighs> I would back. I don't know if I would back off right away, but once everything started happening and the threats started coming, and like the amount that 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 obviously Alicia was a sociopath, but the amount that they like needed that money, like all of that, like I would back off. Also, mm. if my mom was like begging me the way that Marin was at one point to back off, like I think that you would listen. I Actually, like, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the story was when they like concluded that she would apply early to Brown. I was like, great, beautiful. Love that for you. <laughs> Brown rocks. I'm glad that we can close this chapter. You'll get in. Goodbye. No, you know what? Actually, I think I changed my mind. Like, bitch, I literally worked for four fucking years so fucking hard, like doing the most extra credit, AP, ACT, SAT. Shut up. Like, I think I would still shoot well, my shot. It depends. Because as much as college is about like privilege and donations, it also really is about being eligible and having the best grades. So what you're saying is you'd pick the dangerous one because you're not afraid of the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, re law is reason free from passion. So that's so true i get what i want and this, and winter, this break? winter break i want stanford dana were you going to say something before no, we move, we on? Can move on 
<laughs> oh, wow. Okay, cool. Next up, Marin and Winnie plan to emphasize Winnie's first-gen status as a hook for college admissions. What would college admissions look like without this and other hooks such as athletics, legacy, or development priorities? Are any aspects of this system fair? Is there an argument for scrapping the whole system? If the system were 100% merit-based, do you think parents would be any less manic about college? That is such a good question. Um, and I also liked how the book really pulled the curtain back between behind like about, you know, things that people use to get in and how like a lot of times, you know, have being yeah. like coming from a, a less privileged background, but like feigning the, or that you have less privilege than you have, like how that actually like works in your favor. And I thought that they were just like very open about all of that. And so many times I think that, cause now like these, these hooks that are supposed to help people who have never been to college before, like are actually just used and abused by everyone in the system. And like everyone just trying to get ahead. And like, I wonder what it would be like to have just like a totally blind admissions process. Like yeah, here's your applications. The here's your applications. Admissions. The voice. Exactly. There should <laughs> be a college called voice Academy where it's a blind admissions process. You just send in your application, your scores, and your essays, and they choose you based on that. Mm -hmm. Hi, Claudia. Yes. So I do agree. However, I don't think it's fair to like loop in all these hooks. Like being a first-gen college grad is not the same as being a student athlete. Like I think that – I didn't know that first-gen was even a thing to help same. you get into college. But you know what? That's fabulous. Like that's awesome. Like so many people are, you know, uh, daughters and sons of immigrants who moved to this country for a better life, didn't go to college just so that their kids could go to college. I like that. I don't think that's the fucking same as being a student athlete. So are you coming for the student athletes right now? Kind of. I yeah. just think that there's a way to integrate like some diversification in your candidates and your applicants for college that should be celebrated. Like first hook, amazing. Like I thought like the STEM research was really cool. Like mm -hmm. there are really interesting ways to set yourself apart from other applicants but i think it just gets dangerous when you see these like uber privileged families yes. taking yes. advantage right okay. because even the stem thing sounds cool but then you find out like chrissy had no interest in stem and she's just like using that hook meanwhile she wants to be a history major so she's going to come to school under the guise of like oh woman in stem and then she goes and is like studying english literature so again it's like you know abusing these hooks but i i do I agree with you claude Sorry, actually, I am backtracking a little bit on what I said about student athletes. <laughs> Sorry, Dana. You can go no, next. No, not that. Just the backtracking. I'm backtracking because under the guise of this like really expensive private school for like these kids to just like get into better colleges than they should because of being a student athlete, like that feels fucked up to me. But normally with student athletes, like these programs help kids get into college who might not have ever had access to college like that so it just looked it, all these hooks look shady when you're looking at it through the lens of this like really preppy expensive school but now that I'm thinking like so many people make it to the NFL because they got to play um football or basketball or whatever in college and no actually I'm backtracking I think <laughs> I think I think I think it's a it's a very thought-provoking question I think that the hooks are good but it depends who's using them yeah, I mean, that's like with anything. And I think they started out obviously in earnest and now you just see how they do get abused. But reading 
about them, like through the lens of a privileged private school like this, that you only see the negative and not the real great stories of people who are getting opportunities that they otherwise might not have had. Dana, you have been <laughs> just totally railroaded. Is there something you would like it's to add? It's not even that interesting. I just think the only great equalizer could be a true meritocracy. Like, yes, then you disadvantage people who deserve it, but you also equalize it so that people who are privileged don't get in based solely on their wealth. And I even though people lose mm-hmm. on both ends of that spectrum, I think we that's the only answer going forward for our nation. Yeah. I No, I think we're having like a really important conversation and one that comes up a lot, especially like with the Olivia Jade stuff after she was on Red Table Talk. I thought about it more and more and like the college admissions process is so messed up. And honestly, like if you donated a library, okay. Like that doesn't mean that your dumb kid can come to this Mm -hmm. institution. And like, it's also so crazy the way that these parents compete for like 10 to 15 schools when there's 3000 schools in our country. And like people are bending over backwards, sending themselves to prison to send their kid to a school that they can't even do the homework It's not even about the education. It's It's just about telling their friends where their kid goes to school. The status, but like, right. Your friends don't care. I, I can't ever imagine like creating a circle around me where like this shit matters that much yeah and you know what else did anyone else like because I guess we're like out of college have like so much perspective on like literally where you go to college does not matter like at all you can get a job at an amazing company whether you were went to Stanford or whether you went to community college like people really don't put that much emphasis on where you went just as long as you have a degree at like as that's a requirement for a lot of jobs so I'm like you guys are being moronic like your kids are gonna be fine no, and even if your kids go to Stanford, like, they probably will still wind up as losers because right. they just are losers. Also, like, Diana's kid, whatever, dropped out after a month. Like, all of right. that for the person who got in dropped out. Oh, also, you're setting your, your kid up for, like, failure and to feel like shit about themselves because they're going to a school that they're not apt to handle. Also, yeah. you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you are worried that your kid won't be able to get an internship? <laughs> Fortune 100, I actually. I can't Fortune believe 100. they referenced the Brock Turner scandal. I just assumed this was operating in yeah. a world where that didn't exist yet. Like, why is everyone dying to go to Stanford <laughs> in the wake of that? Yeah, it, you made know what? Read, it made me want to read that it's book. It's so that good. Read it, Jackie. About. It's amazing. Can you remind us of the title and just share a little yes. bit? Uh, say my name. Yeah. yeah. Know, know my, my name. name. Know my Call name. Call me by your know my name. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah. know my okay. name. No, I think that would be good reading after it this would. book too. Like what so much shine for Stanford, like whoever would have thought. No, if you watch that documentary uh, on Netflix about the college admission scandal, that's like half dramatized, half documentary. Stanford is like the biggest loser of all time. Like of all the colleges, loserville. Totally. And let's look into those four student athletes who got in. Now mm. knowing what we know about Stanford, were they, you know, on that rowing team mm-hmm. with that guy? Makes you think. Makes you think. If I were Alicia, that's where I would have focused my efforts on exposing the student athletes. All of a sudden, four spots open up. Also, now, obviously, like, I didn't think about any of this, um, the Olivia Jade stuff when reading. But did Olivia Jade have happened in this universe if the Brock Turner case had happened? Like, why wasn't it referenced once? I think because it was too yeah. on the nose. Yeah. You know, no, she's, but like, the, she's then, basically writing about... Yeah. that so if she talked about the college admission scandal then like why are we reading yeah, this book definitely. yeah i guess or it could have been about like because like i'm sure it still happens but now in like a different kind of way do you know well, what I mean? it goes back we talk about this all the time how there was like a, there's a back door and there's a side door and people go through the side door all the time which is like donating money you know 
campaigning for their kids and but the back door of like that Olivia and Jade and all them went through like included like wire fraud tax fraud and and other things whereas other people just do it more obviously but like still it happens all the time and also another hook that I feel like is kind of irrelevant and it felt irrelevant in this book too is the legacy thing yes you know it's like on the one hand you want to promote kids who were raised by parents who never went to college and on the other hand you're promoting kids who parents went to this college literally your parents going to stanford says fucking nothing about you yeah you guys the craziest part of this entire book was when alicia was going through the illicit dna results read about (laughs) and unveiled winnie's father and was like why didn't she apply early to yale she's a yale legacy i was like bitch this girl has no (laughs) idea who her dad is is that really your approach right now like that's your first takeaway yeah it was so crazy Yeah. It's like, instead of being first gen, she's actually yelling the legacy. And like, both things are a hook when like, technically they just cancel each other out. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's such a good call, Jackie. Like legacy should not be a thing. Yeah. Okay. Next question. When Marin compares herself to Alicia, Kelly, and the other EBA parents, she struggles to feel like a well-connected provider. Even Kelly, who is wealthy by every reasonable standard, feels inadequate in comparison to Alicia. How do Marin and Kelly handle these negative self-comparisons? I mean, Marin is normal and (laughs) Kelly is not. The thing is, is like, I think that we should talk about Kelly. Um, I think so too, because apparently we have a Kelly sympathizer in our midst. I am a Kelly sympathizer because this question is true. Like they're both technically like on the outs, even though Marin would look at Kelly and be like, you're in the inner circle. Your husband's an accountant. This is such a high level of like wealth and privilege that being an accountant's wife is simply not going to cut it. So it's Mm -hmm. interesting the two routes they took. You know, Marin was full of integrity and Kelly was not. But like Kelly was out here and she was awful, like for sure. But she was just out here like trying to do the best for her kids. Like her kid at least wanted to go to Stanford, like more than anything. Yeah. So she's doing all she can for her kids. It just highlights. But she's also making. Okay, Dana, I'm not going to cut you uh, off. No, it's from you. <laughs> I was going to say it highlights how detrimental the keeping up with the Joneses mentality really is. Yeah. Like, no matter mm-hmm. how wealthy you have, no matter how much you have, you're always going to want what, more and what your neighbor has, and it's just a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. So toxic. Yeah, because even Kelly, who by, like, you know, when you zoom out and look at our country, like, she is among the privileged. She looks at herself in, in this scale as being – she's actually, like, underprivileged because she's neither privileged nor underprivileged. Right. And then you, know? you, you take a look at the epilogue when she finally gets out of the rat race and she is, like, so much better for it. Like, she yeah. like, lives a happier, simpler life, per- like, it, it, comparatively to the EBA life. And everyone's like, she's doing great. She's flourishing. And it makes me never want to look at another private school children again for the rest (laughs) of my life. Yeah. Next question. The three women in this book are vastly different from one another. However, they share a common goal, securing what's best for their child. What do you make of the dynamic in which each character's actions seem to push another character to go to further lengths to achieve her goals? Where and why do you think they crossed a line? Is there any justification for their manipulations? I guess the only justified manipulation that I saw was Marin sending that text threatening her own daughter because she wanted the whole thing to be taken seriously. Like that was extreme and I'm glad that no one ever found her out, but it needed to be taken seriously and it might not have. If I may make one justification for Kelly, (laughs) Um, like Kelly went to all these lengths and she did horrible things for sure. 
but she was doing it because she loves her daughter and her daughter wanted to go to Stanford. Like, I cannot justify a single thing Alicia did because Alicia was self-serving in her ju- in her quest to get her daughter into Stanford. Her daughter didn't even want to go. At least Kelly can say, like, you know, at the end of the day, I acted crazy, but I was just trying to get my daughter what she wanted. I disagree. I think Kelly was being a monster on behalf of the entire community and being like the person who likes to feed the gossip around, loves being the first to know. And, oh, let's plant this piece of gossip about like who's doing what and like where they got in or where they're getting deferred. Like, yes, she was doing all that for her daughter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all I'm saying is like she her execution was extremely poor but her intentions in the beginning like were sincere no but like Mm -hmm. if she was a good mother what she would have done was realized how much this pressure was affecting her daughter even her even though her daughter quote-unquote wanted it so badly but she was like losing so much weight she wasn't eating she was pulling out her hair like that's when you take a step back and you're like whoa like maybe this isn't the way you're supposed to go that's a good point look at what look at what it's doing to you right and also like every time Chrissy needed a better score. It was another $1,500 in tutoring. Like if her score wasn't good enough and she was pushing herself to the absolute max, then like we need to lower the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel like you're all going out of your way to make Kelly look bad. And that's, <laughs> that's not cool. No, Kelly was a crazy ass bitch. The shit that she wrote on the, on the thread, like just like uh, in comments, like outing her as an escort and like shit like that. Yeah. Like she's yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. nuts. You guys, yeah, no, I'm just, other- I, I was trying to like, find a, a you know good light i respect for your hustle i respect your hustle for kelly it's honestly admirable <laughs> no However, but you guys are definitely right <laughs> my favorite part of the book you guys was when she got so fucked up and was writing in that facebook group and was like diana you're such a backstabbing bitch you yeah. lied to everyone about brown respect though <laughs> she goes respect though respect though that's the thing about kelly apologize. talent sees talent hustle sees hustle <laughs> honestly (laughs) diana though she's obviously unwell like that's the way to play it you keep your cards to your chest you don't tell anyone like that's how you do it and she showed all these women also i need to know if i need to know if diana ever paid um yes like just thousands tens of thousands of dollars no, like you can pay thirty million to get your loser daughter into college, but you can't just cough up a couple G's also, for the woman who put your party on her back. I thought Marin would be smart enough to know to not put something on her personal card. Yes, you know that was actually really inconsistent with Marin because she like gets these women. She knows how they are. She's waited on them for years, and I don't think Marin's true character would ever put out her own personal credit card for a party expense that Diana should pay for. Yeah. Also, just I'm sure everybody feels this way, but this idea that we're going to do like stress busters for the kids who are overstressed and like by doing that, we're going to make them go to like more school events when it's just like sit on the couch and watch TV if you want to (laughs) de-stress. Like all these moms doing SST, like don't need – none of this needs to happen. Just like let your kid maybe go to sleep early one night and they'll feel better. So there's like – they're doing stress busters because the kids are overworked. So they're going to go make them like work at this party. And then the parents are stressed from putting on this party. So we need to have a stress buster for the parents. And like, I guess that's how like just communities work and you just like find shit to have parties about, (laughs) but you're, they're literally killing their kids. Yeah. The kids are not not okay. okay. I was just about to say that. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, before we get into our next question, I need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Dipsy. Summer is here with the smell of fresh blooms and the sun shining down on us. You can't help but feel inspired to spice things up and explore your inner desires and fantasies. Find stories that match your mood this season on Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. Find stories about that intriguing coworker with a British accent or hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. They even have stories designed specifically for your Zodiac sign. I know that Claudia and Margot love Dipsy because they love sexy books. So we who do. doesn't yeah, love we sexy do. audio books? Yeah, we do. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they also offer written stories. It's your go-to place to spice up your time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the show, go to Dipsy. They are offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash book. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash book, dipsystories.com slash book. Okay, moving on. There are moments of humor throughout the novel that speak to the ridiculous lengths the characters will go to in order to get ahead. What was one of your favorite moments that made you think, I can't believe they did that? Have you ever encountered a person or situation that mirrors the EBA parents' behavior? Um, was I the only one, only one who didn't find this book funny? The, there were humor I think first parts. Like the Facebook group was hilarious. Those exchanges were unbelievable. Ted's email to the whole student body, that was probably the funniest part in it. Like it wasn't a comedy of a book but there were parts in it that just highlighted how grotesque the parents were being that were like pretty funny i thought before she turned into an actual monster i thought the way that alicia talked about her husband was yes. so funny <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, when she was completely. like when she was like i walked by my useless husband <laughs> <laughs> she's like completely writing him off like not trying to change him he's like a piece of work but why was she always having to give him blowjobs like she puts the whole fucking family on her back he golfs six times a day and like she's giving him head <laughs> totally. i think that was like by the way totally but i do think that was like really to paint the picture like what kind of moron this guy is yeah like he doesn't even understand that his wife does everything so he should be the one giving her oral sex like he doesn't even get that because he's so dumb yeah (laughs) i can't believe she was okay with him being like the town (laughs) like how he was just like running around and she was having to cover his tracks like this payment here this payment here i'm like leave this asshole i don't think she really really knew how bad it was you know what made me so irate when he was like mm. the when he was talking about the backup list and he was like we should send a check of a million dollars to yes. each college and he was like it's just seven million and she was like just seven million like you right this it. man has never earned a dollar he was hilarious when yeah. he subbed in for marin at the teachers meet at the uh parents meeting and he was like man spreading and touching both girls legs underneath the table <laughs> that was not hilarious it was horrifying i agree horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it was just, like, funny how she just was, like, had written him off as a person and, but, like, was still living with him. But he also was weirdly, I mean, aside from the part where he hit Winnie with his car, he was weirdly a good dad to Brooke. Maybe just because, like, he could see that this was a bad situation, but I felt like he was, like, advocating for her and he was And took her to the college visits of all the safety schools. Right, and, and, like, kept trying to get Alicia to back off and just be like, this isn't what your kid wants. Like, she's not happy. Can't you just see that? 
And I think that if I forget who it was mentioned that Brooke took after her dad, like was very much like a carbon copy of Brian. Yeah. Yeah. But Brian did also like almost assault Marin. So let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, he literally, I'm not here for Brian. Marin and then also committed a hit and run. Like, right. Right. No, but I'm he's not a here good for dad. Brian. I'm here for the descriptions of him. <laughs> yeah. Next up, throughout the novel, Marin struggles with the trauma in her own past and Winnie's origin story. If you were in Marin's position, would you have consented to a face-to-face meeting with Chase and Naomi? Mm. If you were in Winnie's position, would you have taken the donor match test to see if you could help Eli? I thought that that whole part was so fucking unrealistic. Like, that's just, like, not what would ha- Like, I, that's just, like, not what would happen. What part it posed was such a m- Like, just that, like, it all ended up being, like, one big happy family. Not really, but, like, it was such a moral dilemma yeah. and really made you think. And, like, I don't know what I would have done in Marin's situation. And, like, one, to there were so many different elements going on. Like, one, to confront your rapist after, like, years of not even knowing who this person is. Like, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine the weight that comes with that. Then, like, knowing that your daughter could save a life. Also, then hearing his story and, like, getting the more details about it and like not that Marin could ever really forgive what happened to her but it you know just learning more about it like changes you know the 18 years that she spent thinking of it in a particular way like it just really posed a lot of moral questions that I think everybody would answer differently and I thought it added a lot to the book because it Mm -hmm. wasn't just like a stupid story about like people trying to get into college it took this almost like thriller twist where it's like what's going on in Marin's backstory and like when the pieces of the puzzle started to come together I was like this is very interesting to think about also i think that i was really like upset by winnie's reaction when marion first told her because it was kind of like rude i just like wanted her to be like a little bit more sympathetic like she was like kind of like get over it but like not but like use it as an opportunity to like let go of this like whatever i was like she's finally bearing her soul to you, you. like maybe give her like a minute and just like be sympathetic no, but then and she then made up for it she at was the sympathetic. no but then when winnie when winnie got back to the hotel room in san francisco on thanksgiving like cinderella oh what a gorgeous day i love olivia yeah. and i love eli and i love the grandpa jack like <laughs> do you not understand what's going on i agree for someone who's so smart, smart yeah but you yeah. also have to remember, like, she's book smart. Yeah, but she's 18. She has the emotional intelligence of an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. So, like, she's not going to have the best reactions to everything. And it's also, like, a big moral question for her. Like, this person is her father. She is 50% him. These are her half-siblings. He did this terrible thing. But, like, the grandpa didn't really do anything. And, like, that's her grandpa. She's never had a grandpa before. Like, these are really hard moral questions. I think if I were her, I would take the dna test or whatever it was for the swab but hope that i wasn't a match so that i didn't have to make the call but i think that ultimately like when you have that information that you could save a life it must be like how could you say no you know you know what i honestly don't really feel like it was winnie's call like it should have been winnie's call if i was winnie i'd be like marin what do you want you want me to save this kid's life or not i ride with you we ride it yeah i have have some logistical questions yeah, no, but but by the way, like Winnie didn't even consider it consider her mom like in the whole process. That I thought I felt was weird. So she said that she had never made love to any other man. I thought that was going in the direction of like she was basically a virgin. No, she was also a prostitute. So like making love was taken very literally. Then she got pregnant when she had her period, which I didn't know was possible. It always that that literally always comes back to the period. (laughs) This changes a lot of things now. Dana, I'm the same 
thing. I thought the same thing too. And like they do say like it is possible to get pregnant on your period. I just don't think it ever really happens. But like how can you be ovulating and on your period at the same time? So I I don't know why they added that detail because it's the only thing that's confusing. But I think maybe to like explain to us why her mom didn't take her to get, you know, um, like plan B or to see the doctor or anything because like her mom took her tampon out. So her mom probably thought like there's no way she's getting pregnant either. Maybe to just add to the debauchery of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another inconsistency that I'd like to explore. Alicia, while when she had access to like a pair of jeans.com, didn't she write like don't don't reach back out to me ever again? Did I she did, did, I say, did, she I did that and up? they stopped reaching out on that platform, but then the woman, the wife kept stalking her and finally Marin did her own research where she took the DNA and figured it out. Or they like made the profile okay. and looked up under her name and found it. I thought, okay, maybe, so Marin never responded on like a pair of jeans. No. no. Okay. Because I was going to say like when she, or, no. yeah, yeah The yeah. woman Naomi put her email in, in the first message. And so that's Marin used her email yeah. to contact her. Got it. Because I thought that when Alicia logged back in to confirm that there was no more correspondence, she would have seen that Marin sent a note and would have been like, yo, someone said good point. Mm. It was on email. Yeah, they took it offline. Next question. Marin's life is fundamentally altered by Chase's criminal assault, whereas Chase suffers few consequences. Do you believe someone who commits such a heinous act can be redeemed through future good behavior? How do you feel about Chase by the end of the novel? Does he have more or less integrity than Alicia? How about Kelly? Oh, I never even thought to compare like what he's done to like Alicia and Kelly. And I, I still can't, but it's a really like, even though this book was about like getting into college and stuff, like the idea that like he did something terrible and then spent the rest of his life trying to make up for it. And it's like, can he even redeem himself? Right, even if like, he spends the rest of his life being like a a, a good Jennifer person, studies major helping rape victims. Right, like of right. course they made it the most. Yeah, no, and like Alicia and Kelly are like full adults making these evil, immoral choices. And I mean, obviously, I'm sorry. So I don't think we young. can compare Chase <laughs> to these women. Like, no, no. I agree. No, but yeah, they yeah, are like flow. like one. Yeah heinous act to find you for the rest of your life but then you look and see like one of the most profound pieces of the book I think was when Marin was like let me outline yes. for you how your act changed the course of my entire life and it was crazy like yeah it was so mind-boggling what she went through because of that one night however long it was really like there was no going back for her and so then you're like, wow, like one act when he's so young, like it does it define him, but then it defines this other person's life and like yeah, the people like, in why her life. One heinous crime define her entire life, but not, but not define his. his when he's the one who committed the act. Yeah, so yeah. true counts. And also it's like, even though he, you know, did, knew he did something terrible and then tried to make amends for it. Like if he never took responsibility for it, it and owned up to it or reached out to Marin, like isn't that the, that would be the first yeah, step and then the rest of the, the things come after. Yeah. He so, didn't actually do that much. She called him out for that. She was like, you never once bothered Yeah, He just tried me. to clear his own conscience. He just tried to clear his own conscience, but he didn't actually do anything to make the situation, situation yeah. any better. Yeah. Okay. Our next question. DNA testing plays a role in the novel. Have you ever taken a consumer DNA test or allowed your child to be tested? What are some of the positives and negatives associated with widespread use of this technology? So I think a lot of us did 23andMe. I know that I did it. And now but I'm that's just like, not like an ancestry. That? That's just, does that tell you who, who you're related yeah. to? If they do it Yeah. Too. People like find people yeah. in their tree. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. 
But I've never found anyone. Even like when you did it, Jackie, they, you didn't come up They would up have to do it too. So if they were to do it like now, Claudia, and it would ring as a match because you're already in the system, then you might get notified that someone did it and is related to No, it. but like Jackie did it after oh. me. Maybe you like didn't like look hard enough or something. <laughs> like, I'm going to log in. Or Hold on. Like, or, or you didn't turn that feature on. Like you just wanted to know where you came from. But if I'm sure if you wanted a family tree, like you could pay extra and get <sighs> and your get family one. tree. Yeah, of course sure. I could pay extra. <laughs> that's I never what's did crazy it. about like sperm donors mm-hmm. when you 20 years ago donated your sperm for whatever reason money or what have you and expected it to be anonymous and now you have 20 children who are like all want a relationship with you and you're like i'm sorry this wasn't yeah. part of this or like close oh my god you guys what? I'm, I'm on it said it literally i opened it up and it's like look at your dna relatives there's 1500 people and i know like a bunch of these names oh, <gasps> Whoa. it's also like closed adoptions where the person never wanted to know who their kid was is now getting contacted by them it's like kind of causing to play a lot of morally ambiguous stuff i agree yeah. it's like kind of fucked up I agree. It's messing a lot of stuff up. I so, have Claudia, so many second it, cousins. Is it confirmed that Ben's here? <laughs> oh, you know what? He probably would have come up. They they go in order. I have one first cousin in here, and then everyone else is like a second, third, and fourth cousin. Um, So if Ben was my first cousin, he's not here, and that's really all that matters. Because <laughs> if you marry your second cousin, it's like not that big of a deal. 100%. There should be a DNA test that tells you how f- loosely related you and someone else are so that like you and ben could take it and it could tell you like <laughs> your great 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 grandfather and ben's great great grandfather were brothers you know yeah like how are we truly that's connected the information, that's the information we need especially as Ashkenaz jews in a very small community right 100%. yeah okay next question girls with bright futures ends with details about where the families are in one year how do you think the mother-daughter relationships will evolve over the next few years will the mothers remain as involved in their daughter's college lives their decisions about jobs or grad school or even their romantic relationships i think everyone learned their lesson here and i think that for the mothers who emphasize college over everything like the rest of their relationships with their kids were lacking and now they need to make up for that like i do think kelly needs to you know bond with her daughter and find things to talk about there and not sat Epilogue. Yeah, Kelly finds like clarity. The epilogue hinted what that it was going to... Kelly finds, cl- finds clarity in the epilogue. Like, I think she's going to go through the process for college with her next kid in a very, you know, lucid state of mind. Yeah. It hinted that the job search was, like, next for these crazy women in the epilogue. Oh, but fuck I don't no. think that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like once you're this level of helicopter parent, it's really hard for you to detach. Yeah, you find new ways. No, but I feel like you have to crash and burn. And, and they all like, did. Did... Yeah, same with, like, Lori Laughlin. You think she's ever going to try and make Olivia Jade go to grad school? <laughs> Definitely no. not. Okay, last question. Ultimately, what do you think Girls with Bright Futures says about how privilege, opportunity, and ambition cycle through our society? I love ambition. <laughs> what did I say? Ambition. Ambition. Snatchler. Ambition. Ambition cycle through our society. Do you see any parallels between the novel and our current culture to your own life experiences? Are parents today more amped up about college competition than in previous generations? If so, why? Are there any obvious fixes that would lessen the intensity? I do not remember well, it being I feel this like, crazy for me. Was it for you, Mitch? I, I feel like after the Varsity Blues stuff, it's not as much because that like set a precedent. Mm-hmm. That you could go to jail for being a crazy person. Um, however, I don't feel like I don't think it was this crazy. I feel like if anything, it was like the kids who were crazy, and they were like like freaking out about getting in. Yeah, like, but I don't think it was like the parents being like 
But I mean, maybe they were getting pressure from their parents and they were just like bringing that energy to school. But I think this and Varsity Blues like highlights to me how the college admissions process is so fucking fucked up. And like the more money you have, even if you're not doing something illegal, the more money you have, the more tutors you can buy to teach your kid how to take this test and get a good score, even though that doesn't say anything about their actual aptitude. And I think the whole system needs an overhaul. I think colleges need an overhaul. I think even what like, not only is the admissions process shitty, I think like while you're in college, College, like nothing makes sense. And then even when you graduate and you're trying to get a job, like everything from soup to nuts, we need an overhaul. But I'm here for college in general because I do think it's a really great way to transition from a young person to an adult. It's like, you know, pretend adulting and then like you can tackle everything in stages. But I just think that the whole thing is garbage. I also think these private school institutions should be overhauled. It's like a crazy world that they live in. And I just feel like, I mean, Perhaps it's because I went to public school that I didn't see even the half of this. But, like, I felt great with my public school education, got the same places that other people got despite not having gone to private school or, like, to one of these crazy institutions for college education. Like, it's just wild. I know. But I do think it needs to be said that this was heavily dramatized. Like, I don't know that this is really happening. Not in such a saturated way where it's like everybody at one school. I'm sure there's like a. I mean, I don't think that people's husbands are hitting 18 year olds right. with their car. Yeah, but I do think right. there's a lot right. of truth to it, as you said, Jackie. Like in not as concentrated a volume, but at every school there is this cutthroat environment where like people are fighting. Yeah. Okay, now it's time for the Redheads questions. You guys wrote in some great questions to our email address, and we will tackle some of them. My question is, first up, did you all ever feel like the parents were borderline unbelievably serious about the process? I know people take college seriously, but it got to a point where I was thinking it was so insane. There are no way, there's no way these parents are this extreme. Wow, I can't read. Yeah, that's what we've been saying. But you have to remember that there are parents like who donate $40 million dollars like centers for learning at a particular school in the hopes that their kids are going to get in. Like these things happen. Yeah. But there was just like this overwhelming obvious thing where we're all thinking to ourselves, like even if these kids don't get into Stanford and they end up having to go to, Oh, I don't know. NYU, (laughs) they're going to be fine. They're, they're all extremely well connected. They all have trust funds, like acting like it was the end of the world. Like these kids would end up on the streets. Like that was so dumb. No, but that's not what they were saying, really, because the kids, we know they're going to be fine. It's about the parents, and they don't want to have to tell their counterparts, like, my kid goes to NYU. Like, Alicia, you know, she's on the cover of Forbes, and she wants to be able to say, like, my daughter goes to Stanford. Or they're at these cocktail parties, and, like, the other people's kids go to Ivy Leagues, and they don't want to be the one who's like, my kid goes to Middlebury. Right. (laughs) Gettysburg. Justice justice for Middlebury. (laughs) Okay. As I was reading, I was shocked to hear how crazy the moms were were being about college applications. In my opinion, Kelly is actually nuts to send her family into financial ruin over Stanford. That's a level of intensity I just couldn't comprehend. It also made me realize how normal my parents are and how my experience was so chill. If you had to guess, how will you be a parent to a high schooler going through this time? Will you be pushing them as hard as these moms or will you let them make their own decisions? Claudia is going to be Kelly. I just want them to be educated about the process i'm gonna be kelly (laughs) you're gonna be kelly no i'm actually sorry you go i was just gonna say i think that what i didn't get in the college process was like i found colgate i think because my cousin went there and it was like oh i think i like this school but really like i benefited from a smaller classroom and from like a a closer knit 
community. But I didn't realize that through any like intentionally at all. If I went to a big school like Michigan, I feel like I would have like felt out. So I think like that's the level of of like helicoptering I'll do is I'll be like, okay, like my children would probably thrive in this environment. I'll maybe encourage them to look at these types of schools. Yeah. I think the only helicoptering is like knowing what kind of kid I have and trying to steer them towards what would be right for them, whether it's like a big school versus a small school, city school versus rural school, or even like, you know, maybe not sending them somewhere that has like a really big party culture if like there might be more introverted. So just like knowing what's best for them. But I guess like you could say these women thought they knew what was best for their kids too. And that's just a slippery slope. You mean they didn't? (laughs) I'm also a big fan of like understanding the consequences of your actions. So like if my kid is not smart and he wants to apply to like Harvard, I think that's a great moment in life to learn. Like you have to work for things and you can't just decide you want to go to Harvard. And I'd never be the kind of parent who encourages my kid to like punch above their weight class because you're just setting them up for failure. So I think like everyone dicks around but in sometimes high school. kids need to know what it's like to fail. Yeah. Yeah, but th- th- then that's the conversation you have because a lot of people, a lot of kids like dig around in high school and then it's time to get serious and they're like trying to get their act together really late and they're like, well, I don't want to go. Like all my friends are going to this school. Well, you're dumb, bitch, because you didn't do anything for the last four years. And that's what you're going to say. You're and dumb, I think, bitch. And I think that's an important lesson for kids to learn. Like you want something? Oh, you actually have to work for it. Agreed. Wanting is not Agreed. enough. Wanting was enough. Question for, for me, me was, was <laughs> did this reading, did reading this book as a mom kind of scare me into uh, being scared for the college admissions process? I know it was an exaggeration, but still OMFG. It actually didn't scare me. It made me kind of excited for like all of that. And it made me nostalgic for when we went through it because I had a pretty pleasant experience. And so it's like, oh, I look forward to seeing, you know, what kind of school, like I'm excited for school tours and I'll get to tour schools I never went to, like. I think it's actually going to be really fun. I think I'll be able to keep a really level head about it because I'm just like a level headed girly. Are you going to let your kids go like out of state? I don't think that would be what's best for them. I don't think that they would. Okay, Kelly. I think think they want to be home close to mommy. (laughs) Oh, God. Whatever. Kids need their. Could you imagine Bryce going out of state? No. Yes. Whatever you say, Kelly. Bryce needs to be home and close to his mommy so that mommy can come and change his sheets. Okay. Oh you are so <laughs> Kelly right now. Harry's yeah. going to be like no, on Kelly, your heat as Kelly, an 18 year old. Kelly wasn't trying to change Chrissy's sheets. Like she was just trying to keep up with the Joneses. That's I don't even know the Joneses. I'm only trying to keep up with Bryce. Okay. <laughs> We're different. We are different. Next, there were so many similarities with the Alicia Brookstone, Olivia Jade, and her mom of it all. I kept thinking of that the entire time. It makes me wonder if Olivia Jade even wanted to go to USC or maybe her mom was pushing her the entire time. I feel like this is a question for Claudia and Margot because you guys like were YouTube girlies where she literally said she didn't want to go to USC. No, she, she I said think, she didn't want to go to college. I, she said she didn't want to go to class because like <laughs> class is fucking boring. Okay. Um, I actually think Olivia Jade really did want to go to USC because she's very much like an influencer, cares about like her image, her reputation. And there is a really cool like branding moment with USC, like the football games, the outfits, the colors, like USC is cool. So I actually think I could see Olivia Jade like actually really wanting to go, not being forced. And I don't think Olivia Jade, not that like I know her that well, but I don't think she could be forced. Yeah, no, I think she wanted to go to USC and Lori was doing everything she could to get her daughter her dream. (laughs) It was more Kelly and Chrissy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, which character do you feel the most bad for? Brooke, because she must feel like a disappointment and let down to her mom. Chrissy, because she was clearly the most stressed and it was affecting her physically. Also, um, 
loose end that didn't get tied up. Where did Chrissy go that night that she said she was going to work out? Did she just go to work she out? She went to the gym. Oh. Yeah. Okay, but like, weird. Sorry, weird. Uh, did you feel the most bad for Marin because of her obvious struggles of her past and present working as a practical slave to Alicia? Did you feel the most bad for Winnie uh, or because she got hit by a car? Or <laughs> did you feel bad for Kelly or Alicia? Who did you feel bad for? Marin. I felt the most bad for Marin, yeah. Yeah. Marin and Chrissy. Marin had the weight of the world on her shoulders. It felt like she couldn't, you know, do one thing for herself or like this whole world she built would come collapsing down. And that's a horrible feeling. Right. And she was Crazy. dealing with this trauma and she was just mm-hmm. eating shit from everyone. Like Diana, mm-hmm. all the women, Alicia, like she was just constantly and then evading that predator, Brian. Do you, do you know how mad I was when she was on CC on that email? Yeah. Like the whole, it should have been two Marin CC everyone else at least. Yeah. I just couldn't understand. Like she wasn't even at the the Buster event as a parent, you know. Yes, just, yeah. She was there as a, a worker. It was horrifying. She. Just... It was really bad. Also, I felt bad for Chrissy because like she actually did want to go to Stanford and was working her ass off to the point of making herself sick. Whereas like Brooke couldn't have given less of a fuck. Like she would have like bummed around her entire life. Like if it, the choice was in her yeah. favor. Like so. of all three of them, Chrissy really should have bowed out and let it be between privilege and talent yeah also she had that harvard legacy working in her favor oh, even yeah. though we hate legacy oh yeah do you know what else i felt like was such an additional detail like we literally don't care was the thanksgiving dinner at chrissy's house with her family <laughs> who's converted oh, to yeah Quakers. that was so just like, like to show another so perspective of like how crazy it is even no. on the smallest level of like kindergarten like it doesn't just start with college I was and skimming so hard. It wasn't even Thanksgiving. It was like oh, early yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. And she was explaining how we always go to the East Coast. And my sister, who's mean, didn't want to come. And I agree. That was too much detail. But it, I thought that that moment would illustrate to Chrissy, to yeah. Kelly, how insane the whole thing is. And how she's this way because her mom yeah. was this way. And like, let me take a step back. Like, I'm not going to fake my religion. It actually made yeah, her she's go like, oh, I didn't like, think about that. Surprising. <laughs> she's like, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> I'm not doing enough. <laughs> Okay, next question. I enjoyed this book, but was wondering if the sexual assault and subsequent sex work life of Marin was needed for the story to be successful. It seemed a stark contrast to the more lighthearted critique of academia and the tech world. Did it add something to the book? I think it I, added something. I Me too. It and added a whole other layer. Yes, but I know what this girl's saying. Like, once we got into, like, the whole a pair of jeans Eli thing. I'm like, who the fuck cares about the car hit and run? Like, it was so, there was, like, two plots and one of them was just much deeper and more um, thrilling, if that's the right word. Like, what happened next? What happened? And so I just felt like we didn't need both. Yeah, I personally like that there was both and that even when one plot line, like, sort of ended, it wasn't even about that plot line anymore. Right. And we were now talking about so much more. So I did enjoy it. Like, I thought this book was going to be about solely her accident. And it was so tertiary to the main plot. But I agree. I didn't, like dislike it or hate that it was in there i just was less interested in it it is so crazy that the book opened that way because then i felt like it did not go back to the accident for like a third of the book and then it went back to the accident i was like oh my god right there's someone in the but, hospital i didn't yeah. even remember who but it then was. it was like just over mm-hmm. it went back to it and then it was over like i thought the whole book was leading up back to the accident the end of the book was going to be like and she died and she died like i was shocked how much <sighs> no. they lost over it thereafter yeah 
Okay, next question. I see the book has two authors. Do you think you can tell that there were two authors throughout the book? Could this account for the quite tragic backstory for Marin living the same book with a character like Kelly, who seems like a character caricature of an actual person? So I read a little bit of an interview that the two authors did, and they said that the way that they work together is like one person writes one character and another person writes another character. That way they're so vastly different and like there's no like similarities or anything, and then they blend the whole story together. And I actually really like like that because it did feel like these were all such different people not written by the same person but of course they won't tell us who wrote who but I guess it could account for why we had someone like silly like Kelly but I also felt like Kelly was kind of a foil to Marin and Alicia you know I feel like maybe one one of them wrote Marin the other wrote Alicia and together they wrote News Kelly. to me I had no idea two authors wrote this me neither no, I was thinking that I just am confused why they wouldn't tell us who wrote who, you know, like who cares? Because what if you like, like one more than the other? And then you'll follow that author. What's wrong with that? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. They probably just don't want you to, you want, they want you to think of the book as a whole. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I I did like that. And this is our second book in a row by two authors. Look at us. A couple of like by author queens. What was our last book? (laughs) James Patterson oh, and Dolly yeah. Parton. Right, right, right. All right. Yeah, that was not really written by two people. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, it was written by two people. It was written by two people. Dolly Parton wrote it. Yeah, wrote it. Okay. Next question. I also absolutely love this book. However, I thought Alicia shift from entitled rich woman with no moral compass to actually insane criminal who would voluntarily let a child die felt super quick without any real context. Anyone else feel like we needed more background on her? Yeah, I guess they tried to give us that with, like, her brother dying, but it did seem like a jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I could also see how she, like, saw this thing, and it's like, oh, my God, this is too much, too fast. I'm just going to pretend like I didn't see it. Yeah. You know? And she could, like – and she's also kind of insane, so she could convince herself that she never saw right. it. And really, like, did she ever expect anyone would put all of this together, or she could just get away with it? Like, because if she had to go to Marin and be like, took your daughter's DNA, exposed her father, you don't know who he is, but he does have a child who's dying, like – it's actually much better that it all unfolded in the other way because I don't think Marin would have ever connected with the Alders through Alicia. I'm not going to lie. I think I would have done the exact same thing. Like if I had realized I stepped in this type of shit, I would be like ignore, ignore, ignore and pray that it doesn't, doesn't come to light. Yeah. And just like pray for the little boy. For sure. Um, but like also another very real element of Alicia's personality is that she is a fortune 100 CEO that like, we're not like, I'm sorry, that's insane that she's balancing all of this craziness on top of running a company. No, like she honestly, she needs to get a life. Like if she has time to do all of this for her daughter, she's not working hard enough. Also, there was this whole thing with like her, uh, company merging with another company whose financials weren't in check. But then also like. Kelly's Kelly's husband was like looking at the financials of a murky company and I was like, ooh, is this going to be the same? And did Kelly's that- husband have an affair? No, but he definitely got distracted because Kelly like was distracted as well. Okay. But she was cr- and if she, she kept was going- crying in the bathroom at the parent dance over it. <laughs> Honestly, like, Kelly I- could not have taken that. Like I'm so I glad. Feel like no. If she kept going down that path, he would have had an affair, but they just got to like a tipping point, but nothing yeah. bad happened. Okay, our last redhead question. Do you feel satisfied with the ending of the book? I feel like it wrapped up so quick and just felt too perfect. Like the mother and the old counselor dating just felt unsatisfying after being so invested. Is there an alternate ending that you would want for the book? So happy about the book choice overall. Took a couple chapters to be sucked in, but overall great read. So I personally was very happy with the ending. I love being tied up with a bow Uh and Ted and Marin are together and like, 
I also liked how the sting at the end. I loved how they lied about Winnie getting in in order to like set yeah, Alicia that was great. off. Yes. I loved how it ended. I like when things like I, we make a big mess and by the end we clean it all up. That was for me. I love a happy ending. Snatcher, would you have changed the ending? No, I thought I liked it. You know I love when there's no resolution. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. Those are all the questions. I feel like we tackled a lot of, you know, the hard-hitting elements of this book. And now it is time for the moral of the story. What does everyone think the moral of this story is? Money doesn't buy happiness. Stay out of your Ooh. kids' lives. It's Ooh. Sometimes it's not that deep. You, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you might find you get what you need. <laughs> Tina, that's no, mine. Verbatim. No way. Verbatim. Holy that's shit. a good yeah. one. That's a good Holy one. Holy shit. That's so yeah. weird. Like wow. the whole lyric? <laughs> yeah. Because like sometimes, like at first you can't always get what you want. Yeah. But like if you try sometimes, you just might find. You get, get what, what you need. need. That's wild, Jackie. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So that's the moral then. Great. Now it's time for the Hollywood treatment. We are going to be casting Marin, Alicia, and Kelly. I think this would actually make a great series or movie. A lot of people were saying it was giving Big Little Lies. And once I heard that, I couldn't unhear No, it. literally, like, yeah. So first we're going to cast Marin in the spirit of Big Little Lies. I cast Shailene Woodley, oh. Dana. Same. Oh, that's a good one. Same. Same. Yep. Dana, who did you do? Marin Morris. <laughs> I hate oh you. Oh, my God. Okay, can I piggyback off of Dana really quick? Yeah. Because I only cast two people. and Wait, but we need to hear Rebecca's Just wait, cast. really quick. Just it's really quick. Because they're not main characters. <laughs> they're not main characters. <laughs> because I also get, like, fixed on the name. So Diana is Diana from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes. 100%. And 100%. Kelly was Kelly from Dance Moms. Crazy ass yeah, mom. Yeah, Maren Morris. Yes. Yep. Right. Yeah. Honestly, Marin Morris, like, right? Could, I definitely could see that. Honestly, yeah. that's not the craziest thing you've ever said. I had Margaret Qualley Quali mm. because she's twelve. Well, well because this, of Marin's young. Her role no, no, in no. Maid. Margaret Qualley is like twenty-one. Yeah. How old is Margaret? Qualley? Marin's thirty-five. Okay. Margaret so, Qualley could pay Winnie. Yeah, Listen, that's a good I one. Just was. I was just pulling her qualifications from her time in Maid. Yeah. And okay. It, I drew some parallels. Okay. Next we have Alicia. The whole time I was actually thinking of like Alicia Witt from the Hallmark movies because um Jackie, I was thinking Redhead also. <laughs> oh guys, I put Marsha Cross. <gasps> oh wow. But my my official cast was Reese Witherspoon. Big little eyes. Okay. I almost had Reese Witherspoon, but then I went Brooklyn Decker. Is that crazy? Yeah. A little. Yeah. You're giving her like a lot of credit as an actress. She was in one movie. Yes, I am. I looked up like powerful blonde women. She's one of them. Dana? I had Erica Christensen. Who's Who's <laughs> oh my God. She was in Swim Fan. She was in Parenthood. <laughs> that's honestly not bad i need to thank you erica she's like a big honcho lawyer in parenthood which is what made me think of it i know she wasn't a lawyer but okay i've literally never seen this woman in my life you know what i was very famous i was thinking jessica chastain love it i could see i was also thinking redhead Mm -hmm. very like sharp angular powerful yeah Mm-hmm. I Brie Vandekamp, Marsha Cross. That's a good one. Love it. And then for Kelly, I had Katherine Hahn. Oh, that's good. For Kelly, I had Felicity Huffman. 
Oh. On the nose. On the nose. I had 80 Brian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually funny. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I had Sarah Chalk. Who are these no names? The, Hold the one Sarah from Firefly Lane. Chalk. Oh, I, oh. I never watched Firefly Lane. Oh, this is good. Yeah. Thank you. Wow, Dana, you really like did a lot of research for yeah. these. Wait, Dana, who did you say? Sarah Chalk. C-H-A-L-K-E. Okay. My Kelly is Kelly Highland from Dance Moms. She has like that Karen, Bob. It's literally the perfect, perfect casting. I love that for you. She doesn't even have to act. (laughs) Now that we've cast the book, we are done with our recap. So now it is time to rate the book. I'm going to get everyone's rating out of five for this book. We'll tally them up and that will be the official rating. And Claudia, we are going to get your rating too. So this will be like definitely different on the redhead scale. Hopefully it still feels right. Rebecca, (laughs) we're going to start with you because it was a Becky's choice. By the way, thank you so much for choosing this book. I think we all really enjoyed it and it was just what the redheads ordered. Oh, I'm so happy to hear you say that. It's my pleasure. And I would say that I gave this book a four. It had it all. It wasn't like the most groundbreaking, but it Mm -hmm. had everything that made me happy. And when I put it down, I was sad. And when I picked it up, I was happy. So it's a four for me. Yeah. I gave it a 4.5 because Mm -hmm. one, I'm very generous. And two, like I loved it. And I liked it a little more than a four, but a little less than a five. Hence, I love that, Jeff. Honored. Dana? I gave it a 3.8. Okay. That's pretty good for Dana. Bitch. Snatchler, I give it a four. Nice, Claudia. I give it a two point eight. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't have. Ex- I would have just like not included yours. No, I gave it a four point one. Okay. Wow. The overall redheads rating for Girls with Bright Futures by Tracy Dobmeyer and Wendy Katzman is a four point zero eight. That feels that round up. That feels that's right. a four. That's more that's or less a four point one. Feels right. Feels, feels right. Good. And Claudia, your rating didn't influence it because you literally gave it a 4.1. So that feels so actually I, right. So I am average is what you're saying. You're incredibly average. The most <laughs> average. Okay. Now it's time for the other books that we read this month. Who else read this month? I feel like everyone did read this month. Yep. Okay. Let's start with Becky. What'd you read? This month, I read Shoe Dog, which was by Phil Knight. It is the founder of Nike, and it was a divergence for me. We did a um, a book swap at, at my office, and someone recommended that I read this book, and um, so I would have never picked it up, and it was so, so good, you guys. I highly recommend. It was incredible, and I sucked it right up. Um, it's a really interesting story about how Nike got founded, so I'd highly recommend. Cool. I love that for you. What'd you read it? I would rate it a four out of five. Nice. Okay. Very nice. Snatchler, what did you read? Sorry. Um, I reread the Summer I Turned Pretty books. Okay. Um, so good. It literally took me one day to read two books. It was so good. Um, and then I think that this was in this month. Have I spoken about things we never got over by I Lucy Score? Think so. I don't it's think so. Fantastic. It's like porn and amazing and we love it. Claudia loved it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was it. Okay. Dana, how about you? Um, I read three books. The first was Cider House Rules by John Irving. I gave it a 4.7 in a wow. book. 
Same author as What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which I recently referenced, and that was an incredible book too. His books just open up a totally new world and stays with me for so long thereafter. So highly recommend. Um, I will say it does treat abortion and pregnancy and childbirth. So it's topical, but not political. The second was City of Likes by Jenny Mullen. I gave it a 3.4. I told Claudia to read this because I thought she would like it, and she told me um, absolutely not. So (laughs) take it as you will. But I thought it was an interesting book. And lastly, I read Easy Beauty by Chloe Cooper Jones. I gave it a 3.7. It was a memoir. So uh, I've been reading a lot of memoirs recently, and this one was really impactful. And What's a memoir? Great. What's a oh, memoir? Snitches coming for your neck. How does it feel? It's a memoir. I honestly was about to explain to you what a memoir was. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, those were great books. Great. I finish. I'm like on, I'm so off. I like am in the middle of the book every time we record, but last month I finished the Plaza, the secret life of America's most famous hotel. It's just a nonfiction book about the history of the Plaza hotel, but it was really cool, you know, cause it's a picture of New York through the lens of this iconic hotel that looks like a French chateau in the middle of the busiest intersection of Manhattan. So it's cool to see how it got that way uh, by Julie Satow. And I enjoyed learning about it, but it was just like kind of long. I don't know what I was expecting though. So I gave it a three And I'm also almost done with another book called The Lost Summers of Newport by three historical fiction authors, Beatrice Williams, Lauren Willig, and Karen White. And I love The Gilded Age, which is where this book like takes place. It's actually three different storylines, one in The Gilded Age, like one in like the Mad Men era and one present day. And it sounds better than it is. And I'm having like a hard time finishing it and I can barely remember what happened, but um, it's good, I think. I think I just like... I'm oversaturated on like historical fiction, Gilded Age vibe, and I need to move on. I think I might read about Joan of Arc next because I need to go to a different era. And I have no idea who Joan of Arc is, even though she's like such a cultural icon. Wow. So those are my plans. I actually have so many books on my want to read list now, finally, because I haven't been reading as much. And like I was really, you know, oversaturated and couldn't find anything to read. But now I'm like craving so many books so hopefully I can find some time to read them because I've gotten so many good recommendations Ellen Hildebrand has a new book out there's like this podcaster who has a new book I kind of want to read City of Likes and Cider House Rules because Dana has influenced me so I'm feeling really good and optimistic about my reading future speaking of our reading future we wait, wait really quickly um Dana you meant to say um John Irving wrote The World According to Garp, Not What's Eating Gilbert Grape, because that was written by <laughs> Peter Hedges. I just Thank like wanted so to. so much. No, I really appreciate the correction. Those <laughs> I really books. appreciate you embarrassing me. <laughs> no, no, I really do, though, because I've done that before about those two books. They're the same name to me. It's like so many G's and it's a lot Garp, of Garp, Grape. Well, the I love it. According to Garp. I love the, the according movie. To <laughs> I love the movie What's Eating Gilbert Grape. So I was so shook that it was a book. And then I was like, not by John Irving. It's not yeah, no, no, no. a lot. Thank you very much. The World According to Garp and Cider House Rules were both written and um, they're amazing. Great. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. Next, before we let you guys go, Dana is going to share what we'll be reading next month. It's Dana's Choice. And after our country friends, she has some big shoes to fill. Literally. Okay, Plus, so we're on a streak. We're two for two. So don't mess it up. What are we reading next month? Because of that, I deviated a little from my usual, and I'm choosing Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham. It's her debut novel. It came out in January 2022, and it's a thriller suspense novel, which is not my usual genre, but the review said it does have an intense psychological element in it, which is true to my usual form. So I'm hoping that this one 
meets the mark. Great. I'm so excited. I read the description and it really looks so good. So I look forward Thank to you. discussing next month. I hope everyone has a great July 4th weekend. I'm going to miss you girlies, but thank you to all the redheads and to Claudia for your time. I loved chatting about this book with you and just chatting with my favorite girls per usual. And we will see you on the next one. Yeah. 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 Bye. Okay, bye. 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 bye.